0: honor your father and your mother. A lady was teaching a children's message in the service one day and she was handing out Valentine's, it was close to Valentine's Day and she said to the children uh, well-intentioned but mistakenly give these to your parents or to someone you like. And The truth is, as we come to this subject, it is filled with emotion, with guilt, with questions, with complexities. Wow. What I hope you'll see this morning is it also comes with a promise. And if we can understand what God wants us to understand in the fifth commandment, I think it can be absolutely free. It can change our lives. So uh, just a couple of things of housekeeping, Uh, first, just some human errors on my part. If you take out your message notes, what you're going to see is that uh, there is an October 10th date, and I just wanted you to know that I do realize what day in history it is. It's October 13th, so would you mind fixing that? And then in some of your notes, someone showed this afterwards if that wasn't enough, but in some of your notes at the bottom, it's how do we put number one into practice? So outside of that, these notes are perfect, and uh, you'll, you'll find them very helpful. But if you could fix those for me, that'd make me feel a lot better if you happen to need to make those changes. Now, as we come to this subject, here's what I want you to see this morning. If you'll turn your notes over to the back, here's what I want you to see. We've been learning this, just by way of review. In the last four weeks, we have covered the first four commandments. And if you see there, the note above them is the first four teach how we're to relate to God. They're all about how we relate to God. You shall have no other gods before me or besides me is number one. You shall not make idols in the form of anything that take my place or substitute my place in your heart. Three, you shall not misuse my name, my character. You shall reverence me. The fourth, you shall honor my rhythm, my pattern for your life as far as time and rest. Today, we come to the first of the last six. And if you're following along in the notes there, at the, at the back there, you'll see that the last six teach how we're to relate to others. And then at the bottom, the bottom there, you'll see this sentence. God's boundary lines are a gift, and honoring them leads to greater freedom. Would you mind reading that with me out loud? This is the sentence for the series. God's boundary lines are a gift, and honoring them leads to greater freedom. Now, if you ask most people what they think of the Ten Commandments, they hear rules. They hear straight straitjacket-like things. Things that would go, Oh, man, just going to suck the life out of my life. Now, I'm going to miss out on all the fun if I follow these Ten Commandments. But what we're learning is, is these boundary lines actually give us a greater sense of freedom. We talked about how even on the playground... The children, when they experimented with taking away the fence around the playground, the children tended to huddle towards the middle of the playground. But when they put the fences there, kids could play all the way out to the edges. Had a different sense of freedom. In a similar way, that's what we're learning. Now, here's what's interesting. Notice that at the very beginning of the last six that have to do with our human relationships, God picks this one. I mean, think about it with me. God had a choice here. He could have talked about how we show respect for law enforcement. He could have picked how we show respect for the government. He could have picked how we show respect for teachers, or coaches, or brothers and sisters, or husbands and wives. He could have picked any of those, but instead, notice what he picks, our parents. Honor your father and your mother. And someone once showed me this, and I found it very helpful, that if you were to take your notes and you were to fold them in half, okay, you may even want to do that, just so you can see what I'm talking about, you would notice that the fifth commandment is right on the fold. Right on the fold. And you know what I think that means? I think God wants us to understand that, in a way, how we respond to the fifth commandment, Really, a lot of our life hinges on that. That our destiny, our future, where our life is ultimately going to go has a lot to do with how we respond to this fifth command. And yet, as we already talked about, this fifth command finds many of us at all different kinds of places. I mean, as I was driving to church this morning, I was thinking, God, you have to help me. Because as a pastor, I've had opportunities to learn all kinds of stories about abuse, about neglect, about abandonment, about cruelty. And I've also heard some incredibly inspiring stories of parents that, even though they didn't get handed a good baton, by God's grace, they began to do parenting differently. And just what a difference that made in the trajectory of the next generation's life. So I've I've seen a lot, but I I just was going, oh, God, I'm so naive. (laughs) I know only you know all the stories, only you know where people are. Will you please, please teach us the fifth commandment today in a way that will lead to freedom, that the hinge for us will lead us in the right direction. So I have the whiteboard up here, because I want to kind of just ask you to think with me. I'm going to draw a spectrum here. I want you to think with me about where you might be this morning. And the truth is, is as we already mentioned, some of you come to the fifth commandment, and the truth is, you have had a negative childhood, by and large, maybe completely. Some of you, you come to this fifth commandment, and you're wondering what all the fuss is about, because you've had an incredibly positive childhood, of which you can't take any credit for, But that just happens to be your lot. And so wherever you find yourself on this map, the truth is there's a whole bunch of people right in the middle or somewhere in between that you would say, you know, this whole thing of the fifth commandment is just neutral for me. I'm just ambivalent. I don't hate my parents, but I'm not real jazzed about them either. And I don't necessarily, you know. Where would you place yourself on this continuum? Where do you start today as we talk about this. Because wherever you start, what I want you to know is that God wants to lead you into greater freedom. This fifth commandment was not meant to suck the life out of you, it was meant to lead you in a better direction. So, as you can imagine, as we already talked about by raising our hand from low to high, we could talk today about the fifth commandment from the perspective of small children, of teenagers, young adults, all those things. What I'm gonna do today is I'm gonna talk primarily about the fifth commandment from the perspective of what do we as grown children, as adult children, how do we understand the fifth commandment? And if you're following along in the notes on the front side, I want you to see that even in the Old Testament when this command was first written, number five addresses children, particularly adult children. Number five addresses children, particularly adult children. Now, later in the New Testament, I've listed Ephesians 6. Later, the Apostle Paul will apply this to smaller children. He even uses the word for younger, smaller children. But here, the word can easily be understood as adult children. And what I want you to see is that there is a lot of application for us as adults. In fact, in some ways, it becomes more complex. Uh, A man in the church wrote me this email this week. Jeff, we're praying that God will speak in a powerful way in your sermon on honoring our parents. My wife and I are learning how demanding that command can be. The wonders of modern health care produce longevity that may not include the capacity for independence. That puts a huge demand on emotions, time, and finances for children like us. We're looking forward to learning about God's bigger picture. And uh, some of you may come to this and say, you know, what do I do? I mean, we've got these incredibly strained relationships. We've got complicated situations because of manipulation, misunderstanding, all kinds of decades of challenge in some cases. What do we do? What do we do? And so I want to talk about that today. So here's where we're going to go in the message. We're going to talk about what number five means. We're going to talk about why God commands us to honor our parents. And then we're going to talk about how we can do it. Because the goal is, Of opening the word of God isn't just to cram our minds with more information. It's to transform us. It's to lead us into different directions. And so, will you pray with me as we do that? Now, Lord, I I would just ask that you would be our teacher. There's something so powerful when you come to our seat, when you're the teacher. And so, I ask, by your grace, oh God, please, grant that you would teach us today things that we may have forgotten or that we've never understood. For Jesus' sake, amen. Okay, would you mind opening your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20? And if you're getting used to your Bibles, it's really easy. It's the second book of the Bible. So start left and just go to the second book, Exodus 20. And uh, the fifth commandment is found in verse 12. And if you'll just keep your place there, we will eventually come back to that. But I'm going to actually ask you to read the fifth commandment off the notes so we can all read off the same translation. It's listed there in that gray box. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to take one home. We have one in the seat rack near you. It says NIV on the end, just pull it out. It's on page 52 and you'll be right there. So, would you mind reading with me Exodus 20 verse 12 out loud together full voice. Let's hear what God says. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you, okay? So, what does number five mean for us as adults? Well, before we can really understand what it means, I mean, it is so single-focused, isn't it? Honor your father and your mother, but what does, a lot of us, as soon as we hear that, we have immediate objections or at least immediate pushback, but what I want us to see is what it doesn't mean or what it doesn't necessarily require, in order for us to do it. So first, if you're following along, number five doesn't mean necessarily affection, admiration, or obedience. Number five does not necessarily mean or require affection, admiration, or obedience. Now someone might say, are you saying don't have affection from it?" I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if you don't have affection for your parents, if you start way over here on the left, or maybe in the middle, if you don't have affection, you can still honor your parents. You don't have to have affection before you can honor them. It means that you may not even trust them, and you can still honor them. Also, with admiration, you may not think they're the greatest thing in the world. You may actually have had a lot of things about them dashed in your mind. So it doesn't necessarily mean admiration. And the third thing is it definitely doesn't mean obedience. Some people have had parents that have used this command on them to manipulate them to do what they want their kids to do, even as adults. And so notice that when Jesus was talking once about marriage, he reminded people that the the Old Testament law that God had given said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, and be united to his wife. In other words, there comes a point in child rearing, if it's working right, is that a person becomes an adult and they leave their parents. Authority, as far as obeying them, and uh, men and women, that is the direction that God always intended. But leaving, then, doesn't also mean dishonoring. And so what do we do when, you know, sometimes parents will say, well, if you really honor me, you'll do this, this, and this. And again, sometimes that can be, but you know what? You and I, we don't necessarily have to do everything our parents say. We don't necessarily have to do everything they think, you know, they, they want us to do to honor our parents. So what does honor mean? If you're following along, honor means to give weight, to take seriously, and to show respect or courtesy. It means to give weight, to take seriously, to show respect or courtesy. The word actually, honor, means to be heavy. Um, It means that it has this weight. It has this value. It has this influence. And so uh, when, when when I was a kid in the 60s and early 70s, there was this way that we had of talking that we thought was so cool. If someone said something profound, we'd go, that's heavy, man. That's, that's heavy. Ooh, that's heavy. And what we meant was, that's valuable, that's big, that's powerful, that's weighty. So when we honor someone, we're basically saying is, I'm not going to treat you flippantly or carelessly or act like you have no value or no weight. I am going, understanding God's way of weighing things, is that you are heavy in my life. You have weight in my life. And that may not have always worked out positively, but you still, by your position, you have weight. So, again, thinking about how we show, at a minimum, courtesy and respect is a powerful thing. When we're actually honoring someone, we would never think of showing this courtesy, Or treating them different than as someone who is honorable. But notice this. What it means, and you may not like this, is that he commands us to always, always honor them if you're following along. He commands us. In other words, it's not a suggestion. It's not, hey, if you're looking to be an extra credit Christian, he commands us to always, always honor them. Do, Do I mean, always honor them by doing what they say. No, I mean always, always as far as age. From here, all the way up to here. In other words, no matter what your age is today, this command still applies. No matter what my age is. No matter whether or not you had a good parent or a bad parent, this still applies. He commands us. And that begs the question, why? Some of you, no kidding, This this probably feels kind of cruel, and you need some explanation. Why Why does God, why did he pick this? Why is this so important to him? What is he after? So let's talk about that. Why are we to honor our parents? Notice I said earlier that while this comes with emotions and guilt and complexity and questions, it also comes with a promise. So did you notice the promise there in verse 12, if you were living? So that you may live long in the land, if you're following along. The promise is so that you may live long in the land. Now, I already told you that um, this was found in a couple other places, and if I didn't tell you, I meant to tell you. So, Deuteronomy 5, verse 16, look at the other place it's found. The Ten Commandments are in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. So, let's read this together. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you." And so look at Ephesians 6, 2 and 3 as well. Let's read this together. "'Honor your father and mother, "'which is the first commandment with a promise, "'so that it may go well with you "'and that you may enjoy long life on the earth.'" So one of the reasons why is because God says, "'Look, when you honor your parents, "'you are putting yourself in a position where you're gonna be more prone to live longer, you're not gonna like, I mean, how many people have watched when they dishonored their parents and they lived a life that was so dishonoring that they just were on a collision course for destruction? Things, I mean, all kinds of possibilities went up. Now, God is not saying that people that honor their parents will never die young, but he's saying so that you basically are putting yourself in a position But more than individually here, he's not just talking individuals. As United States people, we tend to hear everything for the individual. These people would have heard it for the group. They would have heard it for the nation. So what God was saying is, look, I just led you out of Egypt, which is one of the reasons you can trust me. Now I want to give you these commands, these boundary lines, and you're going to be led into the promised land. And I I prepared the promised land for you. I want you to know my blessing. But one of the things that'll be big is that if you will learn how to honor your parents and honor your elders, what will happen is is that you will be able to have the kind of nation that will last a long time. It will be healthy. Think about the converse with me. The opposite. If you and I decided today, as a nation, to say, I'm not honoring my parents anymore, let's all be agreed about that, what would happen to our nation? We would be on a collision course for destruction. Anybody noticing there are signs of this? So we are in a culture that has said, it's okay, you know, I make up my mind who I honor, when I honor, how I honor. And God says, no, 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 you need to understand. There is something built in to the universe that you gotta pay attention to. And that leads to the second thing, if you're following along, and that is that in God's moral order, we learn, or we're meant to learn, proper respect for authority in the home. So in God's moral order, we learn authority in the home. That's really where God always intended it to be learned. This implies that the fifth commandment is not just something that parents can use as a stick on their kids. It means that parents need to learn how to live honorably. Just like in the marriage passages, husbands are to love their wives and not just demand that their wives cooperate with them. Same thing here. Parents, we have a heavy, heavy weighty responsibility. That's why in Ephesians, it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not frustrate them. Do not make this one of those things where it is all mechanics. Come on. But also, at some point, we're going to have to learn to honor authority and God's moral order, His divine order. You probably know this, but there is an order in this world. I talked about it a few weeks ago. What if, in our solar system, one of the planets decided to say, I just don't like this orbit anymore. I think I'm going to do it on my own. I just Would it affect the solar system? Yeah. Do you know what? If the Earth, on its axis, we decided to shift even one inch and not honor the order that the Earth was made, we would either burn up or freeze completely. There is a moral order that God has built in and when you and I begin to understand and respect that and understand that he has an order of authority and that the better we line up our lives with that, you know what, friend? If you, if you decide to kick against it, you can do that. But what you're going to find out, it's not going to work real well. It may work for a while. But there is a moral order built into the fabric of this world. And, and people, even that don't believe in God, are coming to understand that. So what this basically means is, as we honor our parents we honor God and his design for us. As we honor our parents, we honor God and his design for for us. So let me just go back to this again. Why are the first four commandments placed ahead of the last six? Because if we don't get our relationship with God right, we will not be able to do the last six the same way. That if we do not understand our place Under God's authority and under a relationship with Him that He meant for us, we will be frustrated when we try and do these other ones. It's not that we can't still do them, but it will not be the richness that God intended. And so we need to learn how to do that. And I was trying to think of how could I make this, you know, how could I make this stick a little bit longer in our minds? And so I went out and got a cardigan sweater. Now I don't know if I'm in style anymore. But Mr. Rogers, when I was a kid, used to wear one. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I'm just going to show this. Because I remember years ago, someone showing this to me. I've never, ever forgotten it. So this cardigan sweater, as you know, if I can get it on, this cardigan sweater, when I pull it here, it kind of looks like it's got a certain order to it, doesn't it, with these buttons? And so, uh, again, I can, I can say, you know, all right, there's, But what if I said, you know, I don't like that order. I don't think I'm doing that. I'm going to be cool. (laughs) You think I'm cool? (laughs) Friends, this is what we try and do sometimes with God's commands. I know better. I don't believe you. I don't trust you. And so we try and make things work and God says look I understand these are for your good and so when we actually say okay first button first second button second and so on man does the cardigan sweater fit better and you know again this is what God wants us to keep in mind these commands are not just cavalier Things These are, they're wiser than we can possibly imagine. And did you notice that he gives us the command, why, to make our life miserable? So that it may go well with you. God really does want our life to go well. Oh, does he want our life to go well. And he gives us instructions to how to move in that direction. So, how in the world do we do this? And before I talk about this in detail, I wanna stop and just say something. One of the things I love about being part of a multi-generational church like Cherry Hills, and I do love it, is I love how children, youth, and adults of all ages gather not only to worship, but to learn and love together and move through life together. And one of the things is that some of you are here and your parents have died, or you, know, you don't even know your parents. They abandoned you. Or they never hung around. And you may say, like, how in the world would I do this? And I have some suggestions I'll mention in here. But here's an idea. There are a number of older people in our church, never had children, that are incredible in our church. And you may want to adopt them. And you may want to honor them. And you may want to learn some of these things that way. Maybe that's one of God's ways for you in this message. So how do we put number five into practice? Out to the right in my notes in that empty space, here's one thing for sure. It means to take them more seriously. How do we put number five into practice? It means we need to take them seriously. If we're gonna give weight to, if we're gonna give value, if we're gonna make them more heavy in our lives than they've been, instead of treating them carelessly, flippantly, or just, you know, in an ambivalent way, we're gonna have to see them having more weight in our life under God's design. And uh, so when we do that, here are just several ideas of how we can put this into practice. The first is that we need to treat them the way we want to be treated. We need to treat them the way we want to be treated. Maybe a a story from Grimm's fairy tale will help. It's helped me. Once upon a time, there was a little old man. His eyes blinked and his hands trembled, and when he ate, he clattered the silverware distressingly, missed his mouth with the spoon as often as not, and dribbled a bit of his food on the tablecloth. Now, he lived with his married son, having nowhere else to live, and his son's wife was a modern young woman who knew that in-laws should not be tolerated in a woman's home. I can't have this, she said. It interferes with a woman's right to happiness. So she and her husband took the little old man gently, but firmly, by the arm and led him to the corner of the kitchen. There they set him on a stool and gave him his food, what there was of it, in an earthenware bowl. From then on, he always um, uh, ate in the corner, blinking at the table with wistful eyes. One day, his hands trembled rather more than usual, and the earthenware bowl fell and broke. If you are a pig, said the daughter-in-law, you must eat out of a trough. So they made him a little wooden trough, and he got his meals in that. These people had a four-year-old son, of whom they were very fond. One supper time, the young man noticed his boy playing intently with some bits of wood and asked what he was doing. I'm making a trough, he said, smiling up for approval, to feed you and mama out of when I get big. (laughs) The man and his wife looked at each other for a while and didn't say anything, and then they cried. Then they went to the corner and took the little old man by the arm and led him back to the table. They sat him in a comfortable chair and gave him his food on a plate, and from then on, nobody ever scolded when he clattered or spilled or broke things. Because they realized is that the way we treat our parents is the way we better expect to be treated ourselves. That when you and I practice (laughs) dishonor, we remove honor from our families and our culture. I want to ask you a question. Be real honest. Do you respect people that dishonor their parents? I know in some groups it may be fashionable to do that, But even people far from God find themselves respecting people. Even when they came from difficult situations that endeavor to treat their parents the way they want to be treated. And you and I, with God's help, we can do this. So here's some practical ways to do that in everyday life. We can do this in the way we speak of and to them. In the way we speak of and to them. Now, you're probably wondering if you're going to actually use your Bible. Here's where it comes, right here. If you look across the page at 21, verse 17, you see what it says there in Exodus? It says, anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. When God set up these boundaries initially, He said, I I take this position of authority so seriously... That if you decide to speak against or curse your parents like that, you you basically have forfeited your life. And in a way, you've already destroyed your life. Don't do that. You put these markers around them to protect, to protect this relationship and say, it needs you need to be careful how you speak of and to your parents. And I gotta just tell you this week, this one hit me like a two by four. When I look back on my life, and I had good parents, not perfect parents, but good parents, I think about some of my conversations with some of my friends, other people, I found myself immediately realizing I need to repent of that kind of attitude. The Bible says is we need to be careful of all of our words, that we need to say only what is helpful for building up. And I wanna make sure I qualify this Some of you, in order for you to get free, in order for you to get past where you are right now, you're gonna probably have to meet with a counselor. You're gonna probably have to seek wise counsel. And that's gonna probably mean speaking of your parents honestly and realistically about what has happened so that they can give you the kind of perspective needed. I'm not talking about indulging in unnecessary stuff, I'm just talking about saying, this happened when I was seven. This happened in my teenage years, and it broke me, and it broke my trust. How do, I, how do I move? I'm stuck. You're going to have to speak of them, but even then, this has more to do with what we say, the words we say, has to do with the tone and the spirit and the attitude when we say it. You can still speak of this carefully without trying to be destructive. Does this make sense? The second idea is, is to provide for their basic needs. On the most minimum way, what it means is that we are to provide for their basic needs. Would you read 1 Timothy 5.8 in the gray box above there? Would you read that out loud with me? Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That'll burn your hair off. <laughs> Friends, what this means is, is that God says there is a responsibility now, over the years, there's been a lot of guilt of some people to say, what if I can't keep them in my home? Is God angry with me? No, I think, friends, those kind of decisions got to be made thoughtfully and carefully. The, the point is, is there an effort to take care of their most basic needs? Or are you neglecting that? Or are you saying, I'll put them up in some nursing home, but I'm not going to see them? Or, you know, they got dementia anyway. They don't even know if I'm there or not. Friends, our most basic needs are to be touched and listened to and loved. And so sometimes those are all involved. How that equation works out for each person, you have to be able to figure out. Sometimes you got distance issues. Sometimes you have money issues. There's a lot of complexities here. But at some point, you got to grapple with, if I'm going to honor my parents, I've got to invest some time and money and energy in them, or I really am just blowing smoke. And that leads to really this idea that, providing for them. You know one of the best ways to express love? A lot of people have said this. It's spelled T-I-M-E. Something that many of us have a hard time parting with readily today. And you know the truth is, is that some of you, you've got more complex situations. You've had a manipulative parent who doesn't want to have anything to do with you but wants to use your kids. And so they work around you. And those situations, friends, I just want to say, providing for basic needs does not mean throwing away all boundaries, and it doesn't mean that you trust them. It just means that you at least endeavor to care for their needs. So the third idea is to focus on what they've done right. To focus on what they've done right. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm bitter or resentful towards someone and I start getting in that deadly, toxic cycle, I notice that one of the only things that will ever break that is if I'm willing to think differently of that person. But see, when I'm mad, when I'm resentful, when I'm bitter, I don't want to think about those other things. I really like thinking about what a total loser they are. Now here's the deal. Philippians 4.8 says that we need to set our minds, we need to discipline our minds to think about whatever is excellent and praiseworthy and good it doesn't mean that we deny what's happened. I hope no one hears me say, just sweep it on the rug, doesn't matter, all this kind of thing. No. But at some point, you've got to decide, how are you going to think of this person? And here's the question I want to ask. Even if you have the absolute worst parent in the world, is it possible, if you give your time and energy to think about, that you can think of at least one thing they did right? And if you can Can you focus on that and say, God, balance out my toxic perspective. I'm never going to be able to move towards honoring if I don't move in that direction. And so there's a lot of things I could say here. The truth is, is that so much of this, ultimately, even if you're not able to trust your parents yet, or there's such a divide or a hardness of heart situation that unfortunately does happen on this side of heaven, you can at least pray. You can pray. And that is an honoring thing to do. The second thing kind of leads to that, and that is to forgive them for the ways they failed us. To forgive them for the ways they failed us. You know, Matthew 16, 19, have you seen this verse? Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This may be a mysterious verse to you, but the idea is, is there's something that gets bound by unforgiveness and something gets loosed by forgiveness. The word forgiveness means to release and untie. And some of you are going, if I forgive them, they're going to have the impression that what they did to me wasn't wrong. No, no, no. Forgiving is different than trusting. You can forgive and not necessarily have to be able to trust them. But you need to release them because if you don't release them, they will continue to control you. And you can't be free if you can't forgive. Now, again, many of us, it's going to take supernatural power to forgive. Exactly. But the Bible says forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. It's the only way. So you can't give what you don't have. And if you've never realized your need for forgiveness, you definitely won't be interested in forgiving someone else. But if you've come to the foot of the cross and realized, Jesus Christ knew that I too had failed and fallen short. Not just my parents. I need grace, forgiveness, acceptance, approval. It's found at the cross, friends. And that leads to this last point. Through Jesus, be a son or a daughter of the real Father. Through Jesus be a son or daughter of the real Father. The Bible says is that this really is what Christianity is about, that Jesus Christ died on a cross in order to make our relationship with God the Father right again, something that we could never do by our own efforts. And somebody might say, why should you and I put our trust in Jesus Christ so that God can be our Father? Here's why. Because this father, this real father, even if you never had a good father or a good mother, you still long for one. And second of all, that God, as our father in Jesus Christ, the Bible says, approves us on the merits of what he has done for us. Past tense. Therefore, when you and I approach God, we no longer have to scramble and grasp for approval. We are approved, we are accepted. This is the good news, and one of the reasons why Cherry Hills, we exist as a church, to carry this message to as many people as possible so they can hear that even though they have a broken relationship with God the Father and maybe their mother and father, that in Jesus Christ there is hope. He came to earth to pursue us, to track us down, and to open up a possible relationship with Him. And I don't know about you, but if you want to be able to honor your father and mother, You're going to have to make sure that God is your Father. And the only way you can make sure is whether or not you have admitted that you too have fallen short of the glory of God, but that Jesus Christ has made up your gap by dying on the cross willingly in your place. And he now holds out to you a gift, an invitation that says, I will give you a restored relationship with God, the Father. He loves you. He accepts you. He approves you, and he will teach you how to look at the rest of your relationships differently. I've talked to more people that have said, I never was able to look at my parents correctly until I met the Lord. My dad did not have the father he hoped for and expected. (coughs) Through a whole bunch of things, my grandfather did not know how to express affection, he did not know how to affirm, he was more critical and there was just a bunch of stuff. So my dad grew up longing for the approval of his dad and wishing that his dad would affirm him. And his dad really in many ways never was able to do that. So my dad now as a young pastor. He realizes that he has filled up with resentment for his dad. He cannot love his dad, let alone honor him. And so he just found himself, you know, that's a bad deal when you're trying to lead people in God's way. So in his prayer times, sometimes he would just say to God, I can't do it. I can't honor my father. And one day he said during prayer, across the ticker of his mind came this thought, even if you can't love your dad, will you let me love him through you? My dad had to think about that because he wasn't sure he wanted his dad to be loved by God. So he began to just tell God, you're going to have to help get me there. And over a period of weeks and months, I don't want to make this sound like it was, over a period of time, God began to soften my dad's heart, and he began to pray that his dad, even though he hadn't known it from his dad, that his dad would know the love of God in increasing measure. And it got to the place where he actually began to picture, in his mind as he was praying, semi-trucks full of God's love being delivered to my grandpa and poured out on him. What my dad noticed is not that his dad changed that much, but something began to happen inside of him. His heart started to get larger. His mind started to think of things that he had not ever understood about his dad before or had forgotten or had purposely overlooked. He remembered that his dad had been beaten as a kid and kicked out of the house when he was 13 years old. And he began to look at his dad with eyes of mercy, mercy he never had before, turned to Christ and that was the beginning And when my grandfather died on Christmas Day 1986 everything wasn't perfect my dad knew that he had honored his dad in the way that God had asked him to some of you your parents have died and you may say it's too late for me you may want to write a letter to them and with a trusted friend pour out your heart of what you need to say to your parents, but God can help you honor your father and your mother. And my prayer is is that as you leave this place today, across the ticker of your mind will come ideas and ways that you can be a blessing to them, even if they weren't a blessing to you. And one of the ways we thought we'd end the service today is I asked my parents if they would be willing to come and pray, some of you know, that my dad was the pastor here for six, 16 years, and he's wondering where his wife went. And, uh, and I am too. And, uh, but some of you know that uh, my dad was the pastor here for 16 years, and so he prayed over this church family a lot. And uh, we just thought that it might be a good way to close. So do you think, is that mom? I heard something too. Okay. Okay. Yay! <laughs> this really helps. Um, but they, they still are involved in our church. They, they lead the First Step class, which if you're new, you may want to be part of that coming up. But, so let's just uh, bow our heads, and they'll pray a prayer of blessing over us today as we end.
1: I can't even begin to pray without thanking you for the awesome, awesome gift of having kids and their mates and our grandkids honor us. What a blessing that has been. And I want that for every single person here. Everyone. But Lord, as I begin to pray too, I also want to acknowledge that when I discovered that you were the perfect father and the only perfect father, and I'd expected my dad to be perfect or at least close to perfect, and he wasn't. But then I discovered that you were, and you were the one that could fill all those needs in my life. And in turn, I could pass those on to him who needed them so badly. So help each person here to really discover your great love for them and what you can give them that no one else can.
2: We do want to thank you, Father, for the parents who have been a positive example in their lives for their children through uh, affirming them, supporting them, nurturing them in your word and praying for them because through this, it's made it much easier for their children to honor them. And we're grateful for those who have strived to be the people as parents that you want them to be.
1: And Lord, I know that there are many here who have had a very painful relationship with their parents some who have been verbally abused, sexually abused, physically abused, uh, shamed, rejected, abandoned, all kinds of painful, painful things. And we want to pray for them, come alongside them, and uh, pray that they might come to know grace and love and peace, and that in turn that they can see their parents through your eyes, and knowing that you will help them to do what they cannot do on their own. And I pray that you, uh, that they would let you work in their hearts and minds, uh, and they would discover a growing, growing sense of being able to honor their father and their mother.
2: And finally, Lord, we pray that we as a church family will be able to honor you utmost in our lives, and thereby uh, be an encouragement and be prayerful for those individual families in our lives, that we can leave a strong legacy, good foundation in Christ, and a strong legacy for our children and our grandchildren and all who follow us until we're all together in heaven.
0: Now, God, as we close, I want to thank you for my parents, I still have so much to learn about honoring them. Show me how, in the days that remain, how to do that. And I pray for all my brothers and sisters and our guests here today. Show us how to walk out of here, God, and practice this. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you.